Uh, <laughs> a, bit of, a little bit of go for mumbo to get you in the mood. Uh, welcome to the Pretty Sketchy Podcast number nine. With me as always is acclaimed author and avid purveyor of inanimate carbon rods, Michael Marshman. And yet again, <laughs> I forgot to switch to the cameras because I just have that inability to do two things at once. How you doing, man? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Nice, <laughs> nice little Simpsons reference you got there. Uh, uh, oh, inanimate carbon rods. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Gotta, you got you to keep, uh, what do they call it? Callbacks. That's what they call yeah. it in the comic book game. Um, anyway, uh, welcome to another podcast. As always, I'll just explain what we're doing here. Me and Michael uh, are working on a comic book together called Homoko King. Um, he wrote it and I'm drawing it and we figured, you know, I could do this locked away in a cabinet somewhere where no one can see or I could do it on the World Wide Web for everyone to see and see how a comic book is made or rather how a comic book probably shouldn't be made. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, how you doing, Michael? How's things? We haven't done this for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Like yeah. three weeks. It's been a while. Sorry, everyone does that. It's really... It's a... <laughs> It's, it, it actually it's actually felt like a fucking eternity like it has yeah lots a lot has transpired since we were last on air together yeah um yeah like uh, those of you who don't know michael and i work in uh, retail uh <laughs> and, and you know <laughs> since then what have we had uh, christmas boxing day uh, new years new, oh my god new years everything it's all been ugly so um yeah, so we're just happy to be kicking back and doing a little bit of art and having a bit of a chat. So yeah, yeah things things are finally quietened down. Yeah. Oh my god. We can we can get back to what remains of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the shallow, um, dried out husks of our existences. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So uh, yeah, I just what we're getting at here is uh, I just you know what I used to be able to talk. That's why I do this. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd <laughs> just talk about what's going on here on the page. Um, I'm going to be working on page one again. <laughs> I went back, I was explaining to Michael today. I've never been happy with the first page. I've really struggled with it. And I feel like if I don't get that right, every page after that is based on what's on page one, you know? And if, if I don't sort of, um, lock this in solidly, I, I won't be able to move forward, you know? And, and. I'm just like, I went back, spent some time on this yesterday and I got it up to a level where I'm actually pretty happy with the pencils so far, like on the page. Um, and it's moving in the right direction. And it just shows like, if I look at this and then I look at where I got up to in page three and things like that, um, there's, there's been a big change in, in how I work and, uh, and the way that I, you know, particularly work with backgrounds and stuff, as I've spoken about before, it's a, kind of a weak point for me. Um, again, for new listeners, this is my first comic book. And, uh, so we're sort of going on this adventure together. Um, and, uh, I'm learning a lot of stuff as I go along. I'm reading a lot of reference, you know, like my favorite comic artists and, and things like that and making sure I'm sort of learning as much as I can. And, um, and I'm implementing that wherever I can as well. So, um, yeah, but what it's meant is there has been a lot of, uh, a lot of setbacks. Um, I wouldn't say setbacks, a lot of, a lot of learning experiences that have sort of taken me back to you know, do a few do-overs here and there, which is obviously increasingly frustrating for Michael, but <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get there. I think that I just got to hit that role where, I, where I'm happy with the work I'm putting out consistently on every page. And this has always been a bone of contention for me. I was never happy with even just the first panel of the book, which to me is the most important. You know, it's what people flip it open. That's what they see. So um, yeah, I'm still working on that. Um, but yeah, that'll, you know, hopefully I'll get through the pencils today. 
Um, yeah, and uh, I talk about some stuff to, as we go along. To be fair, like uh, a fair bit of that frustration that I have is coming from me as well because when I finished writing the first issue, I was mm. like, I'm not going to write issue two until we've both finished issue one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm being stubborn because I, I could easily write issue two right now. Yeah. But I'm just like I, I made a promise to myself, and like I I really <laughs> don't want to get too ahead of myself either. Like yeah. I don't want to write all this stuff and then sort of be like, "Hey, Corey, look at all this shit you got to draw." Yeah, I mean, I don't care. Like that might actually motivate me to actually finish something and and get it out there in the world. So. Don't, don't yeah. be too worried about that. But I mean, you know, write it when you're ready to write it, not when you feel you have to, I think is the answer, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, you'll, you'll end up with something you'll be probably a little bit happier with. Um, well, the, the the writing bug is is biting. Um, yeah. It's because I, I haven't written anything since I wrote issue one. Mm. I haven't written anything at all. Which was a um, while ago now. <laughs> yeah, a little while ago. So yeah, it's uh, it's getting back in there, getting into my head, saying write something. So I might have to. Um, I, I've been thinking about going back to uh, a story I came up with a while ago. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a massive story, though. Like it's gone through. Like I, I originally started writing it as a novel, and then I was like, oh, it could probably be a movie. Then I was like, it could be a comic, but I think I might just take it back to being a, a novel again. Yeah. Seeing how I feel, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't even know if I've talked to you about it. It's called The Dreamscape. Oh, I think you've mentioned it. I don't know too much about it. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. Well, it's about this guy. He um has very vivid dreams, uh, scary dreams, and some scary, not some not so scary. Anyway, he finds out that when you dream, you actually go into another world that actually exists okay yeah uh some people can because like you know how there's lucid dreaming and non-lucid dreaming yeah yeah for those of you that i know lucid dreaming is when you can actually control what happens in your dream where you're aware that it's a dream and you can manipulate things and (laughs) experience some pretty cool shit Mm -hmm. um and non-lucid dreaming is when you're just at the mercy of your subconscious there are some people that in in my story the lucid dreamers can actually mold and shape this world to how they see fit Okay. While the non-lucid dreamers are just sort of observers and okay, so so everybody goes there, but only some people are actually lucid. Yeah. Everyone else just sort of experiences their world. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Cool. Like it it is one big world, but like everyone sort of has their own little territory, I guess. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and there's like some bad people as well, like bad lucid dreamers who morph the world into what they want. And they can actually invade other people's dreams, which can cause mental issues with other people. Right on. Like they're the people that they're essentially attacking. And there's one person that's attacking a lot of people, causing severe psychological damage and like causing people to go into comas and just fucked up shit. Oh, okay. Like, so it's affecting them in the real world? Yeah. Yeah. It's affecting them in the real world. And our main character learns that there's like another group of people that sort of protect people from that and yep. they i haven't given them a name yet we'll just call them dream warriors mm-hmm. for elm street's sake yeah. <laughs> um the yeah. Dream warriors. <laughs> yeah he, he, he <laughs> learns how to how to lucid dream and how to become a dream warrior and um ends up facing this evil that's sort of attacking people and fucking people up 
it's it's a lot bigger than what I'm making it out to be, but yeah, that's yeah. essentially the gist of it. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's it's a story about him overcoming his own um, issues, his own personal psychological issues, which aren't as damaging as what's happening to other people. But you know, mm-hmm. our world is our our biggest. You know, mm. our own problems are the biggest in the world. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's always perspective, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking of going back to that. Um, if not, I'll probably start on King Nothing, which is something we've discussed. Yeah, King Nothing. <laughs> Man, that was an interesting day after work. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were hanging back at work, setting up a um, some sort of a sale or something like that. And uh, yeah, just this idea floating around for... Well, do you want to explain it? You probably can explain it better than it, I can. It came from the Metallica song, right? Like... I don't think so. I, I don't know what happened. The the, con- the core concept just appeared in my head, you know, and then we discussed it and fleshed it out a lot more um, from memory. But there wasn't, I don't think, I mean, unless you can remember it differently to me, I, 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 it was a long time ago now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because like I always just associate King Nothing with Metallica. Oh, see, because I didn't know that there was a Metallica song called King Nothing. Really? Yeah. So maybe, oh, wow. I mean, now that you mention it, I'm kind of having flashes. I'm like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, cause that, that could be a problem for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll let you explain it. Um, okay. So the the concept that I came up with, uh, which was the, the, the problem with it is it's a little bit too broad to just be able to write a story around. Um, the concept's really, really big. Um, and so it needs to be really, man, I am struggling with this chick's arm. I've been drawing this chick's arm now for like the whole podcast so far. Um <laughs> Um, okay, so the concept of King Nothing is it's a character who is the king of nothing. And at first that seems like it doesn't sound that impressive. But when you consider that most of the universe is made up of nothing um, with with things in it, it's basically being in charge of everything that isn't something. You know what I mean? Which is most <laughs> things. And when, I mean, Anyone if listening, their brain just went... <laughs> yeah, like, like okay, so... so you know, if you, as far as oh man, I'm getting into science talk here, which is just a bad move. But um, you know, like like particles that make up all of the matter in the universe exist. I guess in, I guess they're suspended in in basically nothing, right? They're, they're just brought together. Like you got matter, you got antimatter. I guess um, what little I know about that is going to come to the fore really rapidly here. But you know, like it's just where the is nothing existing essentially the fabric of space-time is what he's in his power is it's what he is is what he controls um but to make it more interesting the character that we came up with was essentially a guy who um has all of this power imbued upon him but he he doesn't use it in fact he's basically reclusive he just sort of he exists in the world on earth here but doesn't have um, like, like he's invisible. He's essentially like a homeless guy. He just wanders around and and he just fades into the background and no one sees him. So it's kind of like an allegory for, for, for his name. You know, he's King nothing. He's, he's, he's basically to, to the people around him. He is nothing. He doesn't, he exists, but no one, he's just, he's just easily forgotten. He's easily ignored. He's easily, you know, dismissed. Um, And he likes it that way. Like he, he likes to fade into the background and not, and just exist and you know he's um 
and the, I mean, the, the basic idea for the story was that, you know, he has essentially control over everything. Um, you know, like, like the power of a God essentially. Um, but he just has no, he, he gives no fucks, <laughs> you know? And so the story would be that the, something pushes him to the brink of exploding um, and, and being at risk of, of taking everything down with him, you know, or, or something similar, you know, we, we didn't flesh out the story yet. That's, that's the whole point. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the, what we're talking about today, the protagonist role would be something akin to somebody who brings him back down, gives him a, a moral compass, something that essentially, you know, he has this choice that he can just r- remove everything from existence. Um, or not and and to him it doesn't matter because you know i mean this is this was the cool concept that actually i was bouncing around my head so i was going to come and find you <laughs> to him matter existing in the nothing is an irritation because yeah. he's the king of nothing so mm. you put something in there whether it be you know like electrons protons particles whatever matter in general you put it into his domain it's an irritation it shouldn't be there and um, I guess I guess you could look at it like this. Imagine there's two characters. There's him and there's, I, I guess, you know, quote unquote, King something, you know, yeah. who's in charge of everything else. And they balance each other out. Um, and yeah. so for the most part, it's, it pretty much balances itself. So he doesn't have much to do. You know, he's just the guardian of nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little bit too existential. Um, no, but, you know, he you know he he's become to rely on this irritation um sort of i guess i guess for one like a a more poetic way to describe it the the irritation um it 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 makes him feel something you know and so 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 he's like it's a little bit like you know in in dogma god occasionally just likes to come down to earth and play some skee-ball you know, because she loves the simplicity of it. She loves the she loves humans because they're just goofy and stupid, you know. Um, and she loves being around them. And it's the, sort of the same sort of thing. He has a love hate relationship with with Earth, for example. You know, because um, it's an irritation. It's there. It, it you know, but he's he's become dependent on feeling that irritation to the point where it becomes part of who he is. You know. Mm. Um, but then somehow you've got to weave in a narrative to that sort of universe that's something yeah. that's tangible that makes sense on on some sort of level and that's where it becomes complicated you know when you're talking about people who have the power of like god, and i don't mean the power of gods like thor and stuff who's just essentially a human who's a little bit stronger and can throw a hammer we're talking yeah. about true god elemental powers mm. it's hard to write a down-to-earth narrative with that sort of structure you know yeah um, it, it's part of the reason why i just worship neil gaiman because it's, it's like, exactly up, up his alley that storyline like, yeah like the sandman is well, i think i mentioned it before it's my favorite comic of all time and it's essentially a very similar concept mm-hmm. where you have a guy who is essentially godlike he, like his name is dream he's the lord of dreams mm-hmm. and he somehow has has this all-powerful character who also has siblings that are like delirium, death, destiny. Like they all have their own realms of such immense and vast realms, I guess. I don't know how to describe them. Just mm-hmm. insane the dominion. levels of power. Yeah. And he managed to write an insanely good narrative with it. Yeah. Like 
you know, there's like side stories and stuff and whatever, but it's such a great story that I'm just amazed that he managed to do it with something so abstract and so like a character so powerful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think a lot of King Nothing. When I finally, I'm, I am going to write this. <laughs> this is like my fucking Everest at the moment. <laughs> Copyright, pretty sketchy productions, 2017. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I. When I finally get around to doing it, I think a lot of it is going to be drawn from the Sandman. Now it's out there on the internet. Someone's going to like hear this, you know, the, of the two people who actually listen. Um, and they, they, you know, they're going to build a fan page and then suddenly next thing we'll get invited to comic cons and people are going to be like, <laughs> when is this coming out? It sounds <laughs> yeah. amazing. And like, Neil Gaiman's is, like so calling I- you up going, so, uh, Michael, you know, like, and you're like, Oh God damn it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, it's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> it's like, bitch, I'll write it when I'm ready. Shut up, you know. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, yeah. it's something I'm very excited to to tackle, though. Yeah, like yeah, I really yeah. do it. Like I've, I was thinking, just uh, like a little thing, you know. You've kind of described the concept of it, and you know what he is, and blah blah blah. But like, even to add to that, like just as an example. You know, you you call someone up and be like, "Hey, man, what are you up to?" And they're like, "Oh, nothing." Like, mm, yeah. that's 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 his realm as well. Yeah, it's you yeah, know, it's, like, it's like I was describing it a little bit too, sort of elementally, but it is. It's it's like the concept of nothing as well. Not just yeah. not just the. I mean, I guess nothing in itself is a concept. You know, <laughs> um, even if if you look if you're talking about it on a cosmic scale, it's still just a concept. But yeah. Um. But I mean, you know, any time where people are referring to nothing <laughs> it's, yeah. it's that as well like you know and you could you could come at the story from so many angles based on that you know yeah, um, yeah. My, my dogs are losing their shit right now someone must be walking <laughs> around outside um, yeah so I, I mean, I'm excited about that one but let's 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 see if we can get through an issue of Amoko King at some point <laughs> yeah you know yeah fair enough yeah um, yeah I mean don't, don't be afraid to write it though you know you can always oh have, yeah you can yeah. Always, and, and I mean you know doesn't have to be me who draws it either that's the other thing so you know if you can find some other comic artist preferably somebody See, secretly secretly like please let it be someone else yeah yeah, yeah. No, no 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 i'd be keen but i'm just saying like you know hire somebody with a work ethic <laughs> and uh and you'll get it you'll get it done and probably they'll be up to issue five before i finish this one you know yeah. um yeah so uh oh shit i'm rubbing out all these lines everywhere and i've got to put them back um yeah, so uh, let me see what's on the agenda today. Oh, so you read Punk Rock Jesus? Yes, I did. Let's. I mean, we got to get the uh, the uh, Sean Murphy um, <laughs> dick sucking out of the way early in this podcast. Um, although, having said that, I'll probably come back to it a little bit later. But yeah. <laughs> so, well, what, what did you think, man? Like, I've been trying to get. Well, you to read well, that well, for well. A while. Speaking of Sean Murphy dick sucking, since we've done the podcast, you and him have had a little fucking rapport building. Oh yeah, via Twitter. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're not going out on dates or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's only, been... only because you're an ocean apart. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the fact that he probably doesn't really know that I exist. Um, yeah. No, I, I, that's not like about. I, I like that about Twitter mostly, but I do like that about people on Twitter who are interested in engaging with their fans. You know, um, and and you know, people who comment on things and and all that sort of stuff like he's a busy guy and and from based on i mean i don't know the guy but based on what i know about sean murphy he's he's a 
he's the exact opposite of me actually he's a consummate <laughs> businessman and workaholic um yeah. he's always always working um uh but it's like he said in in the in the tweet to me um actually is that what you're referring to about the um hang on let me see if I can... uh where's my notifications here uh was it the one where he was on a plane yeah sean murphy was carrying on about flying um and uh he he literally posted like eight tweets about why planes are stupid you know like he hates flying and all this sort of stuff and so um i i sent him this picture might be hard to see but i sent him this uh picture of me working on my surface actually on uh, a mock-up of this panel you can probably see there um and, uh, and I said, dude, you need to get a surface book. That way you can draw on flights and take your mind off that shit. And he responded with, draw when I'm not getting paid? Outrage. <laughs> so that gives you a bit of an insight into his character. Uh, and I said, <laughs> I responded back saying, um, you've changed, man. It used to be about the art, lol. <laughs> and he said, not true. I'm a businessman cursed with an artist's hands. So there you go. That's like uh, exactly what I was saying in a nutshell. He's, he's just a... Um, uh, his work ethic is is pretty solid, and he's always he, a lot of a lot of the comments he makes. I guess when, in, I guess in uh, reference to things happening in the industry where people have probably mouthed off about something or whatever, and um, he's always quick to point out that people artists should be businessmen first. Mm. Um, and and I think that's a problem with a lot of people. You can be the world's greatest artist and the world's most gifted person with a pencil, but if you can't um, if you if you can't you know behave appropriately in a business environment is a big thing because I mean a lot of comic book art, book artists particularly are probably very uh, um, what's the word uh, reclusive I guess um, mm. you know because it's a pretty reclusive sort of art form um, but also um, you know doing things like meeting deadlines and doing all this stuff like you you have to treat it like you're you're not some sort of like i mean you know you can sit there on one hand and you can have 500 people commenting a day saying how you're an inspiration to them and you're the best thing that ever happened um but if you if you can't get your pencils to the inker on time and puts him behind schedule you're still just a dick you know yeah um and being professional is 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 what is the key you know i mean obviously if you're getting paid not in my case obviously um and uh i, I really like that about his, his attitude about that you know what i mean I, f I feel like it'd be very unusual for him to get something out late or behind schedule you know um i think not only that but a, a lot of artists start off doing stuff for free yep they volunteer their services i mean i'm yeah. not paying you to do this hmm probably never will no to be honest I, I just i said yes because i wanted to see if i could yeah and yeah. That, that's but like, a little bit different you know i think i think a lot of artists they just get so used to doing stuff for free yeah that they just they get either too scared to ask for money mm -hmm. or they just become comfortable with it and they just never or really other people be other people become comfortable with paying them nothing yeah which is yeah. another thing too and i mean I'm, I'm exactly like that the reason i don't work for myself anymore is because i'm terrible at asking for money and i'm terrible at valuing my own time mm. you know i always end up just doing favors and uh and which is good i mean some some of my best friends in the world are people who would drop everything to to help you with your project like my friend marshall when we were making our music video with my band <coughs> it wasn't a question of money you know it was like mm. what day do you need me what do you need me to bring um, yeah and 
he, that that's that's a godsend, you know. But at the same time, you have to be able to transition from what you do for your friends and and you know favors and things like that, and into a business world where when you're talking to clients and stuff, you don't treat them as friends. Yeah. Um, and that's hard for me. I'm 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 a very friendly person. I make friends with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, but yeah, like uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what this bottom panel is supposed to be. I think it was the grandfather looking over his shoulder and she's run around the corner. That sounds right. Am I, am I going to have to open InDesign? Nah, nah, it's all good. I remember. <coughs> uh, cool. Okay, so that's page two. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, so, so yeah, I, go I think we, we got distracted. Jesus, yeah, or? I was going to say yeah. <laughs> And here you go. That's if anyone's interested. Uh, if you if you are following along at home, we're on page twenty six. <laughs> um, sorry, I got the book out. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. What did you think? I really dug it. Um, yeah. Probably close to one of my favorites of his. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he did write it as well. But look at that. God damn. Uh, yeah. I don't. Know, I just, I thought like I mentioned this to you like when I read it. That it was just like it was a nice it was a very good commentary on um how did I put it? I kinda remember now. Blind blind belief, I think I said. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, very just narrow mindedness and just how just blindly following someone or something or a concept can just ruin you. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um not only ruin you, but like on on a mass scale it can affect a country. Mm-hmm. Um negatively yeah yeah of course um just just for anyone who may not have read it the core concept is um punk rock jesus uh an organization clones uh a baby from dna that they source from the shroud of turin and so they're basically essentially i mean the story gets a little bit more complex than this but the, the core concept is they're raising a christ child but they're doing it in a big brother style way where they're in a compound with cameras rolling 24 um, seven. His mother who, who uh, I guess gestated the embryo is there to raise him. Um, she's a, essentially a virgin. They did the whole thing. Like it's exactly as you expect TV producers to produce somebody's life. It's a little bit like um, Ed TV or uh, the Truman show. Truman show. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Probably more like the Truman show. Cause that got really a lot more dark um, mm. than Ed TV. But um you know, but I think, you know, and, and, and so there's also like a, a sub story, I guess, which to me was actually, I feel like, um, the, uh, what's uh, his name slipped my mind, the bodyguard guy, um, essentially yeah. the main character, um, <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm, it's, it's, I think it starts with an M. It's like Matthew or something. Isn't yeah. it? I, I should, I should say that this is like, um, it's been literally about a year since I read this. Um, I, I just got it back from Michael. Oh, oh, here's the page that was uh, um, very recently ripped off by a French artist. And uh, I tell you, Sean Murphy was none too happy about that as well. Um, but seriously, dude, even down to these little handles uh, in the door and everything, he, he switched a few of the panels around. Mm. Um, but it was all over Twitter. He was not happy about it. Um, but this dude, I guess he did it as a quote-unquote homage Um which I guess is kind of flattering, but at the same time, it's it was it was specifically ripping off this page. Yeah. Um, 
Let me see if I can get the dude's name. Because it's really, really bothering me now. Thomas. Yeah. Thomas. Thomas. Of course it's Thomas. That's a cool, that's a good name. Um, <laughs> so Thomas's story is that he grew up in Ireland. Um, uh, you know, his family around him were IRA members uh, and stuff like that. And he's just basically grew up to be just a, just a badass who is a, a bit of a gun for hire and they bring him in to, to be basically the security manager for the uh, for the compound where Chris, the the Christ child, <laughs> God, that sounds, I don't know, pious to talk like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, the Christ child shall be born, you know. Um, uh, you know, and he's there, but like because of his history, which is rough, man, um, you know, he, he sort of becomes a bit of a savior, um, for the mother and son who are in there. Um, and it's, it's cool how he ties those two stories together. You know, like he grew up in Ireland, which is like, you know, the UK, that sort of point was just a, a, a hotbed for punk. Mm. Um, and although he's not completely responsible for Chris's interest in like punk music and rebellion, um, he's definitely someone who grew up in that era and knows all about it, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't want to give too much away because people should read it, but yeah. So, I think it was uh, a worthwhile investment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was I, a little a little on the nose at some points. Yeah. Was like, um, oh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was the the production manager or the, the showrunner. Yeah. Oh, yelling God, at the douchebag. Yelling at the, the fat lady, the fat Catholic lady. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of the dialogue was very, this isn't the character talking, this is Sean Murphy talking. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, um, you know, I mean, an artist holds their brush, you know. <laughs> it all, yeah. The art moves through them. It's I guess it's looking at it through a lens, you know. Yeah, um, I don't know. It felt it felt too. I don't know, like not. I don't know how to put it. It just it just felt like Sean Murphy put his thoughts and just chucked it into a speech bubble without making them sound like they came from the character that's fair that's fair but i mean again that's see you would notice that like we've talked about this before or maybe not on this podcast um about how as as a writer you pick things up like that because Mm. you're used to writing with your voice and you know that uh, you know putting you have to put your voice through the prism of a character yeah is that what you're saying like um, yeah pretty much yeah thomas he was speaking (laughs) it was sean talking not thomas yeah yeah or chris in this case or whatever oh yeah whatever the fuck it was yeah but uh yeah cool but um yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, and it's and it's a great example of a passion project because it was written and drawn by Sean, in amongst a whole bunch of other work he was doing with other people like Scott Snyder and stuff like that. So, um, mm. you know, it's and and as far as like somebody who's a great artist being able to write something like this is is a is a big deal as well. You don't you don't often see that. So, um, yeah, um, getting further to that, um, the other thing that I actually read recently. <laughs> Um, unfortunately over many days because I don't have any spare time was uh, volume three of American Vampire which again I got because it's a sh- uh, Sean Murphy does a run in, in the middle of this or actually towards the end of this um, and I just wanted I'm, I'm interested in seeing his work through different eras obviously with you know different colorists or whatever actually I think he might have might be Matt Hollingsworth anyway so I, I don't know um, uh, just to see how his works evolve because and, and to me it's more of a curiosity because I've seen some real early stuff and I've seen some real modern stuff with Tokyo Ghost and stuff going back to The Wake and, and earlier. Uh, and, and recently I bought, um, what's the Constantine one? Um, 
Hellblazer. Hellblazer. An issue of Hellblazer I found as a back issue that he drew um, a long, long time ago as well. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm more interested, rather than, you know, just <laughs> sucking some Sean Murphy dick here, um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in seeing how, as because Tokyo Ghost to me is, is a, a, a pretty massive influence. Um, like when I, when I look at the artwork in that, it really twigs things in my brain that, um, mm. uh, you know, are interesting. Um, as like from an artist's perspective, but I need to see where he came from and like how his arts evolved. And, and oftentimes you can look back through and you can see a lot of things that have changed. In fact, one of the conversations, uh, uh, comments that we had together just recently was cause I, I pointed out that I just bought this and he said something along the lines of, there was a lot of pointy noses in there. I wish I could have gone back and fixed. Um, and <laughs> look how just that reminded me right here. This very pointy nose. Um, but see, I look at it. I don't see that. I see, that's that's Sean Murphy's fingerprint, you know, um, and and while he may have evolved that out in his artwork, um, it, to a certain degree, it, to me it's it's a hallmark of who he is. Like I see that, and I mean, there's I, I don't think I could ever pick up something that he did that I wouldn't immediately immediately recognize as his work um, through throughout any of his thing. Like his style has, I guess, become more refined, but it hasn't changed, you know. And, yeah. and I think that's fantastic. I think that's the sign of a true artist. Whereas, see, I'm still trying to find my voice. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit obsessed with it because I, I really need to find my visual voice because um, I've never drawn in a particular style. Yeah. Um, I've always just drawn the picture, not drawn the picture the way Corey would draw it, you know? Um, and that makes for very scattered work um, that doesn't, yeah. doesn't really sort of have any kind of uh, flow to it. And I think that's why I've been struggling getting off the first few pages is because every time I do another page, it just doesn't look, um, it looks like a non sequitur, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like a lot of your drawings in the past have been, they have a reference, like you have a visual reference, you've drawn things that have already been drawn before. Yeah. Um, or, you know, there's a photo of a person that like something that already exists. Mm -hmm. What you're drawing now is something that I've written. Mm. I've given like visual sort of clues and what they look like, but I haven't given you an actual picture Yep. for you to reference off. So you, a lot of it is still coming from your brain. Yeah. And like, you know, I've, I've told you that Nissa has grown Nissa anyway, has short black hair, pink mm -hmm. eyes. And she's wearing like a certain set of clothes. She has pink eye. She needs to talk to somebody about that. <laughs> Sorry. She probably should. That's a terrible joke. Yeah. And like, um, that's yeah. pretty much it. Like, you know, she's slim and she's in her mid twenties. Like, yep. you know, go from there. And yeah. maybe that's what it is. Like, you're just sort of still trying to figure out what she looks like to you. Mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. Well, it's... see, I think, I think the other thing that might've been an issue too is because to me, I've always been interested in drawing as close to realism as possible. Like that's been my driving force. And I've never spent the time and really done anything that's super hyper-realistic. Um, yeah. But I feel like that if I spent the time on it, I probably could. I just can't be bothered, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but whenever I'm drawing a face or whatever, I'm trying to proportionally make it perfect and, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas a lot of people come from a different angle of um, more of a cartoony or comic style. They, yeah. de they develop a way to draw faces, not the way mm. faces are drawn, you know? Yeah. Um, and so to me, that's the challenge is because with comic art, you can't, you don't have that kind of level of detail. 
um, you know, when you're inking something, a lot of the detail disappears. Like a lot of the little inflections of the pen that sort of give it realism get just blended away underneath the inks. Um, mm. And it, it's a real challenge to sort of keep that detail there. Um, and so what you end up with is, is a hard outlined cartoon. You know, like if you look at this, it's you, you, there's no denying that you look at it and it's it's I'm looking at the cover of Reborn issue three. Um, I mean, this uh, Greg Capullo style is such that it's it's very comic booky, you know. Um, yeah. Compared to, um, say, something like Seven to Eternity with Jerome Pena's work, um, it's much finer detailed uh, line art. Sort of, I mean, you still look at it and immediately think comic book because all of the rendering is done with ink. You yeah. Know, there's there's no hiding it. As much as this is computer colored um, with a lot of detail and stuff like that and a lot of gradients and a lot of um, shading and texture added, at, fundamentally all the shading is done with a pen, you know? Um, yeah. And so n- n- always being the kind of person who shied away from that sort of rendering, um, it's it's been a real challenge for me to sort of do this. Uh, and I think that's what it is because I have never developed that inking style. My comic style, I guess, has suffered as a result of that, you know? But um, <laughs> it is what it is. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let me think. How am I going to do this now? This I'm trying to think about vanishing points again. If that's the horizon... Sorry. Speaking of like realism and stuff, I was I was having a chat with a friend the other day, mm-hmm. and we were talking about video games and whatnot. And uh, he he like when Skyrim came out, he was like heavily modding it and putting guns in it and whatnot and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and we Skyrim ended up talking with about guns. Um, yeah, outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Fallout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> um. Yeah, we, uh, the, we ended up talking about like Oblivion and Morrowind and I was, I was reflecting on Oblivion. I was like, you know, that, that's a good game. And like, it still is. Like, it holds up mechanic-wise and gameplay-wise, but visually it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks very just bleh. Mm. <laughs> looks like someone puked up a palette and <laughs> put it on some models sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was... I was talking to him about that and we were both you know like yeah it really didn't age well visually and uh, I kind of realized you know with games like more than anything else um, realism is kind of pointless because with with a game you, you could for the technology you have at the time you try to make something look as real as possible <laughs> and we're back yeah yet again the gremlins <laughs> The gremlins. <laughs> if it wasn't 40 goddamn degrees, the computer might be able to tolerate it, but unfortunately it just keeps powering off. Um, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Well, just so we know, it happens to the best of us. <sighs> I don't know that it does. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen it happen to the best of us. Yeah. And uh, us over at Defecast, we managed to hide it pretty well. So, mm. um, Yeah, uh, the, the whole realism thing. With, oh, uh, yeah. with video games anyway oh yeah um, of course yeah the yeah like what was I up to yeah like you could make a, a game now look realistic graphics wise uh, but in 10 years it's still going to look like shit because technology will advance and you find ways to make stuff look even more realistic and mm-hmm. I mean eventually you'll get to the point where you can shine 
like see the light through someone's nose hairs shine through yeah, correctly. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Dude, dude, every AAA game is the best graphics that there will ever be. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And but you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you look at something like Ori in the Blind Forest, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful game, and you know, not realistic in <laughs> to any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Ten years from now, that game is still going to look fucking beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the Borderlands principle. If Borderlands came out with, you know, uh, some sort of latest cutting-edge graphics, it, it, it wouldn't be anywhere near as cool as it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I guess what I'm getting is, like, I don't know why a lot of companies are still going, trying so hard to get that realistic look. I mean, find your own style and just sort of go with it. Like, if it is realistic, then, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just be aware that, right now is probably you know it's the best it's going to look because something will come out a few years down the track and it'll make your game look like shit yeah exactly yeah so yeah i don't know <laughs> I, just, I i i think because like i've become more of an indie gamer mm-hmm. over the last few years that I, i've seen a lot of really beautiful games that are still ugly at the same time mm-hmm. like their their art style is very i mean a lot of games are made pixel art and all that bullshit but there are some games that are very they just look ugly but they look ugly on purpose which in turn makes them quite beautiful yeah so yeah i, I have no idea where i was going with that i was just rambling. <laughs> no i, I get do that it. i get it <laughs> i'm now gonna find know. my position here <laughs> i feel like i need to say shit like that because i i, I never hear anyone else talk about it yeah fair enough like as far as far as um everybody's always after the latest and greatest graphics. Oh, not just that, but like just in general conversation or even on the internet. And yeah, like I I just never hear anyone talk about it. Speaking of which, Uh here's Star Wars. (laughs) What? Rogue One. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. no. (laughs) I thought you were just developing your own segue there. Sorry. I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, and I mean, you, you get this a lot more than I do, but I, I got asked a question that I absolutely hate at work the other day. Mm. Like, it's the worst question you can ask me anyway. This this woman comes up to me. I was, I was in your fucking section. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what are some good games for girls? Oh, yep. I get that a lot. Man. And, and uh, you know what they mean. It's yeah. just that they're not articulating it very well. You know? <laughs> What they're actually asking is what's a good stereotypical game for girls? Yeah. Uh, a good game for stereotypical girls. Like I've got a daughter who likes flowers and ponies. Yeah. What do you recommend? You know, yeah. but, but what we hear is I don't know anything about my daughter and I'm an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost went, yeah, just give a dark souls. Yeah. It's a good game. She'll good like game. it. It's a good game. <laughs> probably wouldn't help that you know she's a little kid so I probably should have gone with something easier yeah. but you know I don't, I, or something I that's fucking... not going to leave her devastated at night time every time the light goes off yeah well I could have just given it to her it's like look give her this she'll never want a game again in her life you're going to save a lot of money yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah like I, I absolutely abhor that question I, anytime someone asks me I'm just like talk to your daughter and see what the fuck she likes then you'll exactly. know yeah um because I'm, I'm not going to be like, yeah, here's a fucking Barbie game because, you know, you'll buy it and she probably won't like it. This game demeans us both. <laughs> yeah. And, and all of a sudden it's my fault, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know. And, you know, games, there aren't 
there's no such thing as a game for girls. No, 100%. There's, there's the right game for the right person. Well, I mean, this is, this is getting back to... I'm not sure if it was Morris. Morris is a... Uh, a I think it was Morris, and I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there was, <laughs> there was a thing a while back where somebody made a display. Um, I think what happened was someone else came up with it, or uh, I believe, and Morris ran with it, but the, the guys from Kotaku happened to go to his store, like it's a city store, and mm. they, they saw it and thought it was the best thing ever and ran with it. Um, and it was essentially, it said a section, like he set up a, a, a section where games for girls and, uh, it was, you know, games like dark souls and, you know, like all of those, like, you know, until yeah, dawn like GTA, call, GTA of Duty. call of duty, basically anything that would be a stereotypical boy game. Yeah. Um, and, and it made an interesting point and, uh, you know, and, and that, that actually went viral, you know, actually a few things from it's, it's funny, you know what, being a Redditor or someone on Reddit. It's, mm. it's remarkable how much of JB shit shows up just in general Reddit <laughs> sort of thing. And, and the funny thing is people recognize it now because they recognize the store layout and yeah. things like that because yeah. we're a very unique looking store. I just gave away where we worked. Jesus. Yeah, um, We've got to be real careful now. Um, uh, and it shows up all the time and you just you flick through the comments and it's like JB at it again you know? yeah. and it, like comments from around the world it's like you know they're, they're just well known um, this podcast is not affiliated with in any way with JB <laughs> um, and our opinions and uh, that we express here are, are our own um, yeah but um, it's just funny like it always gives me a little bit of a charge when I see that you know Oh yeah, yeah. I actually saw one <laughs> during our little break. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone wrote a review for uh, Batman Begins and one for Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and it was it was along the lines of um, a young boy loses his father and learns about you know how to be a good person through the lessons that his father left him, and it was the same review for both movies. <laughs> Figures. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of smart asses who work at JB. I think you have to yeah. do a, a smart ass uh, assessment test before they employ you. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the best one, and I mean, this was this was terrible. Uh, <laughs> but where's the pedo bear one? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it went viral, and, and all we got was a, a memo that said, if this is your store, take it down immediately. This <laughs> yeah. has gone viral. You know, yeah. and I mean, For it's people not... that don't know, it was a picture of Pedo Bear. I think it was a CD bin or yep. CD rack or something. And yeah, yeah, but the price point was 15. under fifteen dollars, <laughs> yeah. and it's like CDs under fifteen dollars, and that's Pedo Bear running. <laughs> uh, oh, CDs under fifteen. Um, that was amazing. All right, I'm doing Grandpa here. He looks a little bit different to last time. I'm gonna have to look at my reference. I remember someone asking me if Evan did that, and I was like, I don't even think Evan knows what pedo bear is. Yeah, he would. He, he wouldn't be that meta. Yeah, <laughs> or that up to date with memes. Uh, yeah. He makes his own memes. Um, but yeah, having pretty... said that, it, it follows his sense of humor. That's for sure. Like, oh yeah, he's got a great sense of humor too. Oh man, his his ability to just generate puns is <laughs> just ridiculous. It's astounding. That... That finding Corey is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh uh, yeah, that was when that was when I was going to leave, when the, and then I ended up not. So yeah. <laughs> Still. Um, what else? Oh, so one of the major things that's happened since we last spoke, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, I think there's nothing that we could say that hasn't already been said by people who know more about it. 
um, yeah. and about her and, and things like that. But I mean, it is, it's a, it's a big loss, you know, um, mm. not one that was entirely unexpected um, in, in that, you know, like, it's not like she was still 19. Um, but, and, 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 and one thing I said to my, my nephew, I um, actually messaged me that day and he goes, oh, how are you holding up, man? And I was thinking about what? Like, I'm like, <laughs> did I miss something? And, 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 yeah. and then I realized, cause you know, he knows I'm a huge Star Wars fan. He's a huge Star Wars fan from way back. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, Carrie Fisher. Okay. You know? And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, it's cool. I said, but dude, to be honest with you, man, she lived three lifetimes in that 60 years, you know? Um, it's, it's hard to look at it and say that's tragic. And I mean, anyone dying is tragic, but boy, did she do a lot with her 60. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we should all want for that, you know? Um, but, uh, I, the, the, the interesting thing for me as, as you know, um, <laughs> is that I, I, I I can't believe I was this late to the party, but I finally went and saw Rogue One um, the day that she had died. And I, I went in there knowing nothing about it other than, you know, obviously what everyone knows that it's, you know, we, we all knew what the story was going to be going in. Yeah. Um, but just that last shot, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but we all know who've seen it. The last shot, mm. I nearly bawled my eyes out. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm not that dude, you know, you know what I mean? I'm pretty practical and pretty rational about things and i was just like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was it was pretty interesting and, and and to be honest a job well done too by ilm i think they did that better than they they probably could have mm. um which is interesting you know i thought that was cool um but yeah i mean you, you've you've gone on record on the internet so everybody probably knows by now your opinions on rogue one <laughs> and, yeah. and look you know what i want to i want to uh paraphrase it uh or i guess you know put it out there that you liked the movie yes you know what i mean you didn't have a problem with the well, yeah, you had some problems with the movie yes, but on the I whole the you movie. liked the movie yeah but it's, it's the, what you were saying before about having contrary opinions about things it's kind of hard um mm. because you can you can you can love something and still see its flaws yeah. and and so in your uh your other podcast defacast I mean, it's your job to pull movies apart and go, okay, this is what I thought about it for reals, you know? Yeah. And you, you can sit there all you want and say it was the best movie ever and stuff like that. But if, 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 if you did find exceptions, then it's your job to talk about it. Same as a critic, you know, a critic has a, has a job where people value their opinions or people who follow them value their opinions and know, you know, if they like something that I, you know, or if they saw something that they didn't like it's probably similar to my tastes i probably wouldn't like it either yeah um so when as soon as you go out to critique something you have to speak the truth otherwise what's the point of being a critic you know yeah and yeah. i mean you guys don't go out there to, to critique. And even then you're just misleading your audience exactly yeah um and so so i mean anybody who wants to know michael's opinion should go check out defacast because it's real interesting you got uh, everyone there's a star wars fan um, and you know, you, you got, um, Carl who would just blindly fall in love with anything that's got a lightsaber in it. <laughs> God love him. Uh, and then, you know, then there's, you know, uh, Dave is a little bit more pragmatic with his, how things, how he likes things and things like that. Yeah. And then uh, I described Dave as cautiously optimistic. Yeah. And, and then, and then there's you who, who enjoyed it, but you had some opinions on a few things, which is fair. Mm. And, and like I said, too, I watched it. You know what I noticed the second time through? I didn't realize because when you go to it, it depends who you go to a movie with mm. as well, especially on a, a second viewing. Like 
um, the first time I was just enamored by the whole thing. I was just like, oh my God, I expected good, but this is great. And so yeah. I was blown away. Second time through, I was sitting next to Nat and I was watching it through her prism. You know, like I was okay. looking at it and going, what, what is Nat seeing when she's looking at this? And I'm, I, you know, I was trying to evaluate in my head whether or not, you know, is she going to get this? You know, because I know her really, really well, obviously. So um, I'm just sort of preempting what she's going to have questions about and you know, what she's going to think, you know. <laughs> You're preparing um, your answers. Yeah, yeah, but just, you know, more so just, it's like anything. Like when you write a song and you're playing it to somebody, all of a sudden you hear all of the things that you think that they'll hear. Mm. And you go, oh, fuck, I hate it. I don't want to play it for anyone anymore. You know, um, it's the same thing. So I'm watching it with her. And the one thing I noticed is the first act, first act and a half is really slow. Yeah, um, it really is. And and uh, I didn't notice it the first time until I went back and sort of sat there next to her. I'm thinking, she's going to be bored. She's probably, this is confusing. They jump around to about 17 different goddamn planets. Uh, and, and it's hard to follow because they're all different. They all have weird names you would never remember. And suddenly, you know, um, uh, you know, the main character was the name Jin. No. What's her name? Yeah, Jin. Jin, Ginoso. yeah. Jinoso, that's right. She, she's a little girl. Then suddenly she's a grown up. She's in jail and stuff. And you're like, what happened? We don't know about why she's in jail. I mean, it's implied, obviously, but if you... If you're struggling to follow all the other stuff, then maybe that's something else you got to be concerned about, you know. Um, and uh, it does jump around a fair bit, and it's not until it sort of starts becoming that great action movie that I think it finds its pacing, you know. Mm. Um, but you know, again, we're saying things, but we both loved the movie. Like it was fun to yeah. watch. It was fantastic, you know. I, I did get like a little bit of validation the other day, How's and that? you know, we we all love a little bit of validation, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> oh what was rob's opinion Rob's, I like, spoken to Rob, about Rob was like yeah yeah i went and saw rogue one i was like oh yeah what'd you think he's like yeah it was pretty good <laughs> yeah. yeah that's he, awesome i think i think it was like roughly on the same level as me yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like he he liked it but it, you know it wasn't fucking the second coming of luke skywalker well that's just it like like what what you took exception to wasn't so much um whether it was good or bad it was the fact that everybody was talking about it like it was the best movie since empire yeah, and uh, and in your estimation, that wasn't the case, you know. No, I, that, to be fair, fair I hold Empire to a very high standard, like yeah. in the Star Wars film log. Like yeah. to me, Empire is number one. Yeah, like fair that's enough. the best Star Wars movie, and nothing has come close to it. Yeah, at all. So yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. good. Um, it's definitely the the, the most uh, engaging tone of all of them. Like it just has yeah. a feel to it that the others didn't quite capture. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I mean, great directing, you know, like George yeah. Lucas sort of bailed on it and gave it to someone else and they did a great job. Mm. Um, God damn. What was his name? Ivan Kirshner? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. How do I know these names? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was kind of funny. I was thinking, I think I, I had it in my head as I was doing the death cast, but I never mentioned it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and not to shit on the movie more, but I'm kind of gonna, um, <laughs> like in, in, like in the death cast, I mentioned like a lot of the, f- the fact that, you know, you don't really get to connect with the characters all that much. They're sort of like, here they are, bang, they're off and then bang, they're dead. Spoilers. Um, oh. but you know, you all knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How come these guys aren't in any of the other movies? <laughs> yeah. Where's June in episode four? Yeah. Um, it, it was I remember a game that I played, Star Wars game, Republic Commando. Mm-hmm. It's not a very long game. It's probably like eight hours at the most. 
Mm-hmm. I felt more of a connection to those characters than I did with the ones in uh, Rogue One. Fair enough. And, like, I don't know. A lot of people lord republic commando is this fucking amazing game and like it's a really good game don't get me wrong it's probably one of the best star wars games you'll ever play Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i i thought that was a really good game not as good as everyone says it was but i don't know i just felt kind of weird that like i felt more of a connection to the characters in that game than i did to rogue one because typically to me and i probably shouldn't do this but i hold movies to a higher standard than i do video games yeah fair enough Um, yeah Especially in terms of story and whatnot, because, I mean, games, you've got a limitation. You need to balance that gameplay story. Yeah, and, and, and uh, the mechanic and everything like yeah. that. Needs to, yeah. It needs to function as a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Republic Commander did it really well, though, I think. Mm. But, yeah. I don't know. Well, just a little tidbit that I never really mentioned in Defcast. Mm. Mainly because they probably wouldn't really get it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but that, it probably castrated castrate me yeah. yeah okay anyway man that, that just about wraps it up um, already yeah already oh my god <laughs> nah we've done about an hour I think with the with, yeah. the, with the breakdown <laughs> so yeah. um yeah alright you know it's gonna be another two weeks before we do it okay no worries. bye hi Nat hi Nat Nat just invaded the podcast she's taking the the if anyone's playing at home, she's taking the Pomeranians for a walk. Okay, so everyone just calm down. The dogs you know, are getting walked. Featuring that in the title now. Featuring that. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that means I'm going to be paying royalties through the nose. <laughs> Blackness rides, the whole bit. Yeah. Oh, um, God. Okay, Before so- we do go, did you mm-hmm. get any headway with those shirts? No. <laughs> i got to get on that. i got to get on that. Um, I need to figure out how I'm going to do it financially. Yeah, um, clock's sticking on that one. Yeah, it is too. We're running out of time. We got RTX coming up. We need our cool podcast shirts, you know. And you know what? Once they're on Cafe Press, we can make them available to the public as well. So, um, you know, if anyone out there wants to support the podcast and buy you a shirt, or Yeah, you can be Schmorgan or Heckengard, either one, which is a gag that nobody listening probably gets at all. No, um, you know, I mean, you know, we should we should make another one that just says Samoko King on the back. That'd be pretty badass. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get that sorted. Um, I might have a look at that now, actually, and just see. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, all right, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll... <laughs> I just got to cross all the T's and dot all the lowercase J's. Um, yeah. All right, well, yeah, let's uh, let's tie it up there. Um, we don't want to keep people too long. Uh, shout out to Lincoln, who, who's been listening to these. He told me. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tom still is too. Yeah, we'll see if he's making it to the end of these things. Um, yeah. All right, cool. And oh, and by the way, Lincoln, um, your uh, uh, NES Classic uh, extension cables have come in. So <laughs> I'll, I'll grab one for you when I see you. Also, uh, your checks in the mail. Your checks in the mail, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, thanks for watching. This podcast is brought to you by CoreyWireArt.com in lieu of a proper sponsor. Um, if you're watching the stream, but want to listen to us on your commute, search iTunes for pretty sketchy podcast. Or if you're an audio listener and you want to see what I'm actually drawing here, um, squeeze, yeah. Uh, search for us on YouTube as well. Pretty sketchy podcast. Um, you can also check out Corey Wire art with some stuff there as well. Um, thanks again for joining us, Michael. And, uh, no we'll see you guys on the next one. Yeah.